1: Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, real quick before we get started on the show, I'm just going to talk about Treeline Academy. You've heard me say it. I can't even tell you how many times. Uh, Mark Levesay is treelineacademy.net. That's treelineacademy.net. Sign up. Use the promo code PC2020. Save yourself $20. bucks. can not say it enough. It's awesome. Amazing. Most comprehensive e-scouting course out there. Check it out for yourself. Sign up. Use promo code PC2020. And now let's get to the show. All right. So I'm sitting here with my buddy, Chad Riker of the Backcountry Rookies and uh, Chad for all those people who don't know who you are would you like to introduce yourself a little bit?
2: Certainly thank you very much for having me on the podcast first of all I really appreciate it and if any conversation you and I get to have is always a good one so I do appreciate that we've already had like 45 minutes of <laughs> troubleshooting and conversation but um, so Backcountry Rookies that was something I started about I think it was four years ago now. And it was really, a, um, I, I had just been introduced to podcasts and, and I, I really didn't even know what a, a podcast was and somebody introduced me to them. And then I got introduced to backcountry hunting at r- really right about the same time. And I kind of started thinking, well, all these other guys are doing these podcasts and I'm, I'm hearing a lot of great information, but I'm not really hearing the questions answered that I want answered. So basically my own thoughts, you know, and my own ideas from the rookie perspective, because I really had no clue about anything backcountry hunting, didn't even really know what public land was. I was moved from from Indiana. I grew born and raised in Indiana. There's not a whole lot of public land out there. So I didn't know that whole concept either. And um, so introduced to podcasts, introduced to backcountry hunting through the Randy Newberg type of videos on YouTube and all of that stuff. And I decided to kind of merge the two together and start to learn them at the same time. And, um, that's where the backcountry rookies idea came from. And then it was a whole process of, of learning even how to record a podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you went through all of that too. And <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, it, it's right, right. There's hurdles and stumbles and everything else along the way. So anyway, that's it. A few years ago, started it up and, and, um, here we are, here we are today, man.
1: Grew a grew a fan. You talking to him now, and uh, yeah. you know I think it's pretty cool. So anyway, welcome back to the show, Chad. It's been a while since yeah. we've caught up and uh, had to actually a chance to chat on the show. We both I know, got man. A lot of different life I... stuff going on, man.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Man, I tell you what, I was really looking forward to hearing about your elk hunt and I'm sorry that you I texted you the other day and said how would <laughs> it go and you're like didn't happen, dude. Yeah. So So that's yeah, actually that's a, a good real bummer, man.
1: It's a good time to talk about that right now just so I can get it out there and nobody else has to ask me about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But man.
1: yeah, no man. Um, like I told you I there was there was actually a lot of other things going on. Where it was up in the air and I didn't, I didn't like that too much. And I tried to try my best to no matter what, make it happen. And it was, uh, almost to the point where you're almost willing it to happen, even though you know, it might not. And, uh, some family things going on. I had an uncle and so my cousin was the one I was going hunting with. And so it was his grandfather and, um, it was Ill and had some things going on, and we're like, "Man, are we going to be able to go? Are you going to have to go?" And we didn't want to be in the back country if he needed to go and and visit with yeah. him, you know, on his last last time here on Earth. And I was like, "Yeah, okay." So that was tough. And then finally, we kind of cleared through that hurdle a little bit. And then the next thing you know, it's like day before I'm supposed to go, my son's super sick. I'm like, "Honey, maybe you know, maybe we could push it a day or something like that." And talking to my hunting partner, and then the next thing you know. Uh, taking my son to the doctor, and then I'm starting to get sick. I'm like, well, I could still go. This has happened before, you know. I went to the doctor and got a cortisone shot or whatever, and got boosted up enough to where I could go. Well, turns out I got COVID. <laughs> yeah. And my ten days of an elk hunt became ten days of a quarantine. So that definitely ruined that <laughs> experience for the year. And it was pretty That's much the only terrible. time I had slotted. For something like that to happen,
2: (laughs) so that is terrible, dude. And I've heard it from uh, several people that say it, like right up to the minute where they're like, "I don't know if I can go." Yeah, that's tough. You got a patient wife at home too. It sounds like, man, because uh, you know, I know mine would be like, "Dude, you're sick. You're not going anywhere." Yeah. (laughs) Well, but (laughs) instead we're like, "Nope, I could maybe try."
1: Yeah, maybe try. And the last Elcon I was on, it was kind of messed up. My kids got sick while I was gone And she didn't tell me until I came home And I was like, holy cow, you've been juggling this the whole time she's like, I didn't want to ruin it for you I knew it was important to you I had it under control And luckily um, My mom and her mom kind of stepped in as well And helped her out a little bit With the sick kids Because thankfully it was only two sick kids At that time and now we've got three So I I can imagine that would be a lot tougher But um, Yeah, definitely Yeah but, no, um, that, that was my big adventure for the year that was kind of canceled <laughs> now. But uh, what about you? What's, uh, what's going on in your, your realm?
2: Um, I saw
1: the whole antelope thing was pretty cool.
2: The whole antelope thing was pretty cool. And I, I'll, tell, I'll talk about that a little bit, but I don't want to go into too much detail. Like we talked before, I wrote an article for it to submit to a magazine. And I haven't even done a podcast on it on my own podcast like a recap or or whatever um, just because I don't want yeah, to yeah nobody wants take to take away the from the yeah. from the article but so um, I'll back up a little bit and it, this will kind of lead into what's been going on but, but last year um, February I guess I retired from the army and then I took a job I, I was really really I, I was in San Antonio Texas at the time and that was kind of my introduction to the backcountry hunting. And you can understand this most definitely being out there in Illinois. And, um, but the drive and, and the commute and everything, when it's time to go hunting, it makes it very difficult. And there's, it's very logistically like. It's strategic, like it's a struggle, right? There's a lot of strategy that goes into it and a lot of prepping and planning and stuff. So, um, when I retired from the army, I I told my wife, of course I'm going to work, you know, and I'm going to get a job, but I really will only take something out West. And I had loads of opportunities out like Washington, DC area. I could have went out there and made piles of money probably and not fun. I turned, I turned, yeah, dude, but it isn't worth it to me. And I turned all of those down. I had a couple of California things pop up and I turned all that down. And, um, luckily got a couple of opportunities here in New Mexico. And, um, I took one of those and it put me right in the middle of a very, very good hunting state for Western hunting. And so that was kind of a long lead in to sort of explain what's been going on because now that I'm out here, tags and stuff are just way easier to come by, right? You don't have to, there's, I mean, there's still application process, but I just got back from four days out in the Gila mountains where I was bear hunting and that tag cost me. Uh, you know i don't even know what it cost me maybe 50 or 75 bucks or 100 I, I don't know but it not a crazy i mean it's a resident fee right it's a resident price and it's over the counter so i have the opportunity in turkey or you know a couple times a year you can go hunt turkey here over the counter you can hunt barbary sheep and stuff over the counter so it's really pretty convenient to be able to go out and and hunt and um so i've i've kind of made a change where i spent a lot more time out in the wilderness and and chasing game. sometimes not even really chasing like this last weekend was i kept it was actually i i kind of confused my own mind i think because i kept <laughs> telling myself i was looking for bears because it was bear season in reality i should have been scouting for mule deer because i i have a mule deer tag in the same unit so the whole idea was to go out there and scout for mule deer. But then when I got there, I saw a big bear track on the ground and then everything shifted. And I was like, <laughs> nope, bear hunting now. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> so I barely even scouted for mule deer when that's really what I should have been focusing on and not, not worrying about the bear so much. But but if you got a lay of the
1: land, I mean, kind of helps you out yeah. anyway, right? You had boots on the ground just uh oh yeah remembering the terrain you know how many elk did you see out there though that's what i want to know
2: i'm curious so that unit isn't a big elk unit at all um and had i gone north there's elk out there and stuff but I, i didn't see any and i wasn't really focused on looking in their type of areas but um yeah they're not that unit that i'm in is it's it's a little bit too far south for them um, the Gila, the Gila national forest is very, very well known for having large elk herds. And, um, but that, my unit it's unit 24, which is down near silver city. And it's at the very Southern end of the Gila mountains. And, uh, they just, there's not a big herd of elk down there.
1: So what so. you're saying is it's not an Eastman's blue unit or a blue label or blue chip or no, 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 no,
2: (laughs) not that. And it's not even a very great deer unit to, to be honest with you. Um, but it's, I, if you, you know, me, you've listened to my podcast and other people have, I'm not chasing 200 inch deer, man. I just just want to
1: hunt. Right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. I've got a little spike coos deer that I have Euro mounted that's sitting behind me over here. I shot him a few years ago with my bow and, I you know, no who who gets a who does a Euro mount on a spike? Like I I, I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Like I just don't really care about trophy quality. I mean, of course I want trophies, and if that was a great deer unit, I would look for a great deer, but it's just an average unit. And like my antelope hunt was that I'll probably won't draw that again for a long, long time. It was a really, really good antelope unit. It's known for producing very big antelope bucks and i i shot a really really nice buck so um not quite boone and crockett he was um we measured him at the taxidermist and he's just a shade over 79 inches which uh boone and crockett is 80 so, so he was right there. i mean that's yeah like i mean a he's big
1: freaking butt. antelope i saw the i saw yeah. the horns on him or whatever you want to call it but yeah. i mean he looked pretty decent like he's if pretty i good. saw that yeah. and I wouldn't hesitate to shoot that. In fact, if I saw something smaller than that, I probably wouldn't hesitate to shoot that.
2: And I've yeah, been building points. So <laughs> I told my buddy. So I was out there hunting with my good friend CJ, and uh, CJ knows I'm not a trophy guy, and he, you know, he's he's not either. He likes killing good animals, but um, I I told him I said, okay, this is the, and then I, I had a couple other buddies out there too, and um, I told him the scenario is a really good buck on day one day two it's a date it's like a not maybe you can take the really off of it right and say okay a good buck and day three is i'm just going to shoot a buck whatever for like first buck in the morning and um we had we had seen a really nice buck earlier in the day in the morning well I i shot mine in the morning but we had seen like right early in the morning we saw a really nice buck and um we kind of started moving in on him and we he kind of gave us the slip you know and we were gonna stand there and look around for him a little bit more and then um i don't i can't really say too much about it but we got a phone call basically that kind of made us have to leave that area and move into a different spot and once we got over to that other spot there was a, a really nice buck there too and it was like i said he, he it turned out to be the one i shot and he was um he was good enough for me dude. 100% like I saw him and I saw him pick up his head and he I had he had those big fat horns on him and I just said, oh, yeah, that's that you can tell he's he's big. Nice. So we, was that your first antelope? On. It was yeah. first first antelope. So I got really spoiled. It's kind of hard to draw here. Well, OK, it's hard to draw. I had a rifle tag and that's hard to, to draw in those those southern units and but you can get a you can get a uh archery antelope tag pretty easy here in new mexico well a resident can it's a little tougher for a non-resident yeah but um yeah that was a rifle tag so it was pretty pretty good to have no that's i ended up shooting him at he was at uh, so i lazed him at 487 yards and uh they were moving away from us a little bit so by the time i got ready and got the shot and everything up he was right at like 500 and took the shot and that's awesome. put him down. So. Which, which rifle did you use? I have a Proof Research 7 mag. Um, yeah, 7 rim mag. It's pretty sweet. I like yeah. that rifle. Is that
1: the one you built yeah. for the, the series?
2: It is no, it isn't, and I thought about taking that rifle out. that was a six five p r c oh that's right, it was a PRC. <laughs> um I had just gotten that proof and and I was really, really excited about it, and it's lighter. The one I built last year for that rifle series it's a little heavy, a little heavy it's not like crazy heavy, but this one's way lighter, and i i I just wanted to use it, so right, I've got enough in the safe downstairs I can kind of pick and choose. <laughs>
1: Well, that's like, so I've noticed and I've got like four points for Arizona and I'm starting uh-huh. to realize like, I probably won't ever hunt antelope in Arizona. It's just I doubtful. I'm, I'm mean, with you, dude. And, and I
2: still have, I think I have four points Even if and you put I in, still have like a 1% or less than 1% draw. Odds.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, is like, even if you put in for the, the worst unit in Arizona, I mean, your odds of drawing are still slim to none. Yeah and, and it's tough. I I just I started thinking about it and I'm like, okay, I put all this money forward and say 27 years from now, maybe
2: maybe I get to hunt. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And Wyoming is a good is a good state to put in for.
1: So that's what I've been doing. I bought my points last year and I forgot to apply. So, yeah. I bought a point this year. And then I just signed up my dad and did a profile for him so he could get a point. And that way yeah. I'm going to try and I'd like to try and do that before he gets too old to actually do that. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping um, instead of archery, I know it'll take more points, like four points probably to draw. But I think with a rifle, he's he's pretty good. He's kind of like you, pretty good shot. So um, hopefully, you know, I can get him within five to a thousand and uh, make it
2: happen. Yeah. And they're not super tough critters. Um, mine, I, my first shot wasn't the, the best shot I've ever made on an animal. Uh, <laughs> and I think, so I forgot to take into account a couple of things. I mean, I got excited, right? It happens. And he was walking and I forgot to factor that in. So I hit him dead perfectly elevation wise. I hit him perfect. But by the time that bullet traveled 500 yards, which there's some t- time gap there, he had taken a pretty good solid step at that point and i ended up hitting him back in the hind quarters and broke both of his hind quarters and knocked him down and he wasn't going anywhere so we walked up and um got much closer to him and finished him off right there you know but um yeah there was like there was a whole well he'll die here in a minute right we'll just let him die (laughs) It was like no we're just gonna walk up there and finish him so, uh, but yeah, I, I forgot to take that into account. You know, I was thinking wind, and I'm like, okay, there's not really any wind. And I know I'm good at 500 with the elevation, and I double checked, I dialed, you know, everything was good. And I just didn't even factor in that that thing was walking. And so it hit him back, but.
1: You did a pretty good job of hiding that in the pictures, Chad, I got to say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't see, see that in the gram. Kind of must have cropped
0: no, that out no, a little no, bit, huh? <laughs>
2: yeah. There's uh no, you, you couldn't really tell. And it, the one side was pretty blown out, but the, the entry wound side was fine. It just – a little – just a little spot, you know, where it went in, but the other side was blown out pretty good.
1: So how's the antelope taste? I've, I've Wonderful. Never, I in I've fact, I just had it,
2: it – I just had it for dinner, man. I made a roast. I put a I had a um, leg roast and I put it in the crock pot like you would a beef roast or something, covered it in some um, fajita seasoning that I have that I really like. And, I you know, I rubbed all that stuff on it and then I, I just put it in the crock pot and let it sit all day. and shredded it up and I made some uh, tacos and stuff with the with the shredded meat very nice I think it's really good my, um, my wife doesn't really like it she'll usually try she's not a big wild game eater but she will always try anything that I make and she tried it the first time I made tacos with it she tried it and said oh yeah that's pretty good and then she, right at the end she said uh, ah, there's a little game flavor there that I just there's something there that I yeah. just don't know about And it's got a wild game. I mean, the things they walk around in the desert and eat sagebrush, right. (laughs) And grass all day, right. It's going to have a little wang to it, but, um, I think it's good. I had some, I don't do my own, my own, uh, I don't process my own meat or any of that stuff. I mean, I can, I just, it's a time thing. We talked about time earlier. Um, so I had a guy here that was able to do it and I had it back the next day and it cost me like 70 bucks and I'm telling you what, dude. Yeah, dude, there's no possible way. When I factor in my own hourly rate that I charge myself and I'm not doing a whole animal in for 70 bucks and getting it back the next day, I'm going to pedal around with it. It's going to be in the freezer for a month and (laughs) you know, so um, I took it to, to that guy and he's, he did a great job on it. made breakfast sausage that that's what i was getting to and the breakfast sausage is phenomenal man nice
1: you know i'm pretty much
2: i've concluded that like any
1: animal even if it's got a funk to it or something like that if you have somebody make breakfast sausage out of it it's it's delicious and yeah and i've got just a little bit of deer meat left over from last year that my wife refused to cook because there was a couple of them that just had a little bit a little bit of that twang to it, you know, that, that gamey yep. flavor. And she's like, what, what deer is that? What deer number is that? Is that deer number two or deer number one? Cause I labeled my packages. <laughs> so she knew uh-huh. it was deer number two. And so she didn't touch it. And so I found it in the freezer and she's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. So I'm, I think I'm going to turn it into some brats or some sausage or something like that. Something that yeah, kind of take away from that flavor. But we hunted hogs one time and my hog mm-hmm. was tough and terrible. And my buddy took it and got – I was, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my own. I'll take it and smoke it and grill it and, you know, throw it mm-hmm. on the Traeger and all that. It all tasted pretty crappy. <laughs> and my buddy went and had his ground and sausage and bratwurst, the whole thing, just turned it into sausage and bratwurst. And yeah. his was gone long before mine was. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so when I would hunt them down in Texas, I would do, I would take them and have them done, and I would get the the shoulders and you know the roasts and stuff to so that I could put them on the smoker and smoke them, and then usually the rest was all done into breakfast sausage, and that's just the way I would do h- wild hogs. Yeah, I'd are... keep the tenderloins too, I guess. A lot of times bacon wrapped those, those are and
1: pretty tough though. Like I thought the tenderloins would be great, right? You know, slow yeah. cooking them low and slow and all that kind of that they,
2: they were not good
1: <laughs> they were pretty tough
2: yeah huh. yeah yeah I, oh. mine mine were pretty good when i when i had them done but maybe it was who just knows tougher yeah boar or something who knows It was probably Could too big be. i like something. to shoot them little ones dude yeah i don't shoot the great big old boars. they they look cool in pictures and stuff but they usually taste terrible so <laughs> i'll shoot a smaller one that's you know like a 30 40 pound pig is almost perfect yeah and like oh that's too young it's a pig who cares yeah there's There's, a million of them and the smaller they are the better they are so yeah yeah i'm
1: definitely gonna i'd like to do that again sometime except i don't know man texas is pretty tough to go and hunt them without family or something on the property that they end up they'll invite you down there and then charge you when you get there
2: yeah (laughs) and that's that's just that texas hunting man it's really hard to find that public land that goes back to that original statement i had man when i was saying i didn't really understand public land cuz so i hunted when i was a kid in indiana you know we hunted whitetail and stuff and squirrels and whatever but it was always cuz my dad had permission from the farmer or the landowner or whoever to go out and hunt out there you know so it wasn't like you just wander off on, on a trail and go hunt public land yep. and then um i'd lived a, i bounced around a little bit with the military and by the time I started to really get interested in hunting, all, of, all my hunting was done in, in Texas on, on big ranches um, out in West Texas, or, I, you know, I'd pay somebody. When I lived in San Antonio, I had a really cool guy that would let me go out there. And it was like 200 bucks. I could hunt a doe and as many pigs as I wanted to. And I would normally go out there and I'd shoot a doe and usually two small pigs. And that's, you know, that's, I knew that was enough for me to last a year. And, uh, that was perfect. 200 bucks. Cool. I was like, well,
1: that ain't bad. That's pretty cheap. Actually. Yeah.
2: It really is. Yeah. He was a really good guy, man. And, um, he let me do that every year. I did that for three years. I think while I was out there, um, always, always took home what I wanted and, you know, cool dude. Tom, so. That is cool.
1: So I got to yeah. ask you, did you end up going on an elk hunt this year?
2: I didn't. No, I didn't. So I had a tag. Um, I had drawn a Colorado tag and I ended up turning it back in. It's a couple of a lot of people tell me I'm really stupid for doing that. And <laughs> that's, their you No, know, I it is. It's totally and everybody's got their own reasons. But I had an, that antelope tag. I have a bear tag, turkey tag, and I had a deer tag all here in New Mexico. And If I was going to, as basically what it came down to was one, there was a cost factor. Colorado's not cheap to go hunt. That wasn't a huge, that wasn't the biggest part of it. The biggest part was, I was really afraid that I was only going to get like four days to dedicate to that hunt. And that was pushing it really. It was going to, that's like a drive day and then hunt for about a day and a half, two days ish. And then, you know, maybe part of the last day and then have to drive home. And that happened to me last year. So I had a, I had an elk tag last year in Colorado and I had just started my new job. I didn't have vacation time built up yet. I didn't have anything. And all I could do was drive to Colorado on the weekends and try to get on an elk. And the reality of it was I was hunting by myself and I probably would have been by myself again this year. Um, and if you don't like, if it's a three day hunt and that's all you have. If I didn't have an elk on the ground, the first day, the the next two were pretty much blown because I wasn't going to be able to, especially that third day, because I wasn't going to be able to pack an elk out by myself on, on, in a day. No There's way. no way. Yeah. Not in the area where I hunt. And as far as it was to my, it was about three miles to my truck and. I mean, when you're hiking uphill three miles, it takes you a few hours to get up the mountain to the area you want to hunt. And then if you've got 100 pounds on your back trying to come down the hill, <laughs> you know, and you got to make four trips. Yeah, and then you're making four trips like that. And so before you know it, and that's if you're constantly moving, right? That's no yeah. break time, no stop at the truck and refit. It's just go, go, go. You're 24 hours into a pack out if you're doing it that way. So that all of that factored in, and I knew this year I just wasn't going to be able to, to dedicate a week or ten days like I wanted to, so I turned that back in, and I decided I was just going to focus on my New Mexico hunts that were here local, and then I've got my Coos deer hunt in January too, and that'll be my that's my big out of state adventure, I guess, but that's always. That's always a cool hunt. So are you uh keep, are, every are you, year? I tell you, hey Luke. You I know. Down? I know. Like, yeah, you know what? maybe this, one of these days. This Chad. year, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Well, not this year, but
1: next year. So yeah. twenty-two, we'll see. maybe, man. It's uh, it's we a will see. It's all. Are you going to planned. military base though, or what? You go. So we to the same kind spot? of a. We,
2: uh, yes and no. So we have an interesting this year. Um, one of my good friends from Idaho, Ryan Johnson, who's been on my, my podcast a couple of times, he that's, he has always wanted to hunt coos deer and he's coming down this year for it. He can't hunt on the military base though. So neither can I, um, (laughs) I have my, I've got my good friend, Jeremy, who lives in Arizona and he helps me whenever we go down there, him and I link up and hunt together. He can't hunt on base either. So normally what we do is he has his own tags. And he'll just come over and help me hunt on base. And then after I leave, he goes and does his own thing. Well, this year, I think we may try to put, um, my friend Ryan with Jeremy and then, excuse me, and then they can go and hunt off base. And then I think Jordan, you know, know, Jordan, my partner in Mm -hmm. backcountry rookies, um, I think he might come out for it too. So him and I will likely hunt on base and then the other two guys off and we talked where we camped at last year was a really cool spot because it was actually right off of the, the military base. And so we could all go in the direction we wanted to, we, we camped like we could throw a rock and hit them the gate of the military base, you know? (laughs) So like, if we wanted to, we could drive on base and hunt. And then the other guys could just go straight up the mountain and hunt right there. So. Interesting. We're kicking around ideas. Last year, we had to do it that way because of COVID and the base had shut down all of their recreation areas for camping. So we couldn't camp on base, which was unfortunate because they have a really, really cool camp spot and it's got bathrooms and, you know, it's a nice little spot, um, but they, we couldn't do that. So I, if, if that's opened up this year, we'll probably camp on base and then those two can just go yeah. off on and off as they need but. We'll see. Heck, we may all hunt off base. we I don't have any idea yeah. yet. Yeah.
1: Who knows yeah. what kind of restrictions will be in place by the time it ends up happening, too. Oh, yeah. If yeah. I you know, <laughs> have to hunt with a mask on or something ridiculous. The, <laughs> the Moo virus or whatever <laughs> coming yeah, through, you know, the new, oh, next variant,
2: of course. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't need to get into that. But <laughs> no, no, no. Fortunately, Arizona hasn't been too... I go out there for work occasionally, and it hasn't been... It's a big... It's nice to go over there cuz New Mexico is like locked down, man. And yeah. uh, so I go over there. Actually, New Mexico's not that bad anymore. Probably not as bad as Illinois. So,
1: I'm just probably, I'm going to throw yeah, that out probably there. Not. Probably yeah.
2: not as bad as Illinois. <laughs> yeah. It but. was pretty bad for a while, man, and then yeah. uh, like every other state around us was opened opened up and we were still businesses couldn't open. It was, I couldn't even, I was only allowed to go into work like a couple times a day because we had to rotate through people. And, um, it was just a really wild time. And now it's, it's better. It's either better or people just don't care. I met (laughs) one of my buddies for lunch (laughs) out and (laughs) I met one of my buddies out for lunch. And when I was out, um, chasing bears last weekend and he came walking we met at Arby's and he comes walking in and I was like, Oh, you don't have a mask on we don't have to wear masks here. And he was like, I don't care, dude. <laughs> and we were supposed to, you know, I mean, there's a mandate here for it. And yeah. he was like, I just, I don't care, man. I'm done with it. I've
1: noticed. <laughs> okay, yeah, in that's Illinois, good. Yeah. It depends on where you
2: go. Yeah. yeah. Here in Albuquerque, he probably would have gotten thrown out, but down there, really? they weren't, man. they didn't care. Yeah. yeah. Like the
1: further, the further South you go in Illinois, you don't even see people like it mandates some reason non-existent down there which i don't know i find it kind of nice especially you know after i've had covid now what's my concern anymore you know but yeah right um, right yeah but um yeah so anyway (laughs) i'm gonna gonna get off the covid
2: (laughs) yeah that's probably a good thing Um, good good transition
1: (laughs) yeah um but so I have been seeking out some other type of adventure I could do now. And a guy told me, he's like, hey, come on up to northern Michigan and hunt. And I'm like, Michigan, you know, there's no deer in Michigan, or at least that's what you hear from everybody. Right. Yeah. That live in like the, the ag type part of Michigan. And he's like, well, northern Michigan's a little bit different. There's a lot of big woods up here and there's a lot of deer harder to find. But there's still a lot of deer compared to people up here. And I was like, okay. Well, then I started looking into it. And another buddy of mine uh, started talking about this island and a cull because islands overpopulated. I'm like, "Mm, Mm -hmm. very interesting. So it turns out that in like the 1950s, there's this island 11 miles off the coast of northern Michigan in between the UP and Michigan. Huh. That... Totally uninhabited, but, like, people used to rent it, and there was some conservation group that used to rent it from the state or from the federal government, whatever. I can't remember what it is. But anyway, they took deer and released them. They, from Pennsylvania, they took whitetails and released, like, seven deer. And from those seven deer, ended up being, like, a herd of 500 to where the island couldn't produce enough for those deer to sustain themselves throughout the winter. Wow. So then some deer started starving, and people took notice of it. And then they're like, hey, we have to do something. So they introduced a call. And these people, they take a ferry out there, 10 days, kill as many deer as you can with your special tag. Um, maybe it's 100 guys, 10 days, I think. Something like that. Holy um, cow. And they can use a rifle, any weapon, whatever. Well, I was looking into it, and I'm like, that doesn't sound appealing to me. It's kind of cool. But not what I want to do. But I want the experience of the island being stuck on this island, having to camp there, backpack in just like you would somewhere else. Turns out you can do that. So you can use that permit as a federal permit that you have to apply for because it's uh, considered a um, national park. It's the great Sleeping Bear Wilderness National Park. Um, But you can go there and hunt it with your archery tag. During your, so your state archery tag, you could take that and go up there and hunt that island during the regular archery season. Hmm. So it would be just like hunting on federal land anywhere else. So the idea got in my head, and for some reason, I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I kept thinking about it and thinking about it, and I'm like, that seems pretty cool for the Midwest. You know, quite the adventure. So I finally figured it out, found a ferry captain and everything to get yourself lined up out there because I was reading a lot of stuff about it and last year there wasn't anybody and you'd actually have to, if you wanted to go out there, you'd have to charter a fishing charter captain. Well, most captains have their boat out of the water by October. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of one of those things. I'm like, man, that seems like it might be tough. You know, the logistics of it. Well, I've got it all figured out and I think it's going to happen this month. So that I'm looking forward to that. I think that'll be pretty cool
2: that's gonna be really cool man yeah that's a lot of deer like a hundred guys to shoot as many deer as they can in 10 days
1: yeah so that's That's not what what i will i won't be doing that though mine will be limited to one buck and one doe if i can even take that but yeah but i've talked to some people that live up there in northern michigan and they're like i've never hunted it i've always wanted to Uh, One of the guys I was talking to was like, you know, it just doesn't line up with my work schedule. It's harvest time in October. So I can't do that. Um, You know, the season pretty much dictates when I can go and work, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. he's like, but I've hiked it and I've hiked it a lot in the summertime and the springtime. And he's like, I've seen deer in velvet in like June that were some of the biggest deer I've ever seen in my entire life on that island. So now I'm, I'm really <laughs> intrigued.
2: <laughs> I am I'm intrigued for you. I can't wait to hear yeah. about that.
1: But what's cool and the reason those deer got so uh populated was is there's no natural predators on the island. There huh. was no bears, no wolves, no coyotes, no anything. And they brought the deer over to the island and put them on it. So they have no natural predators.
2: Wow, that's cool. Yeah. They just hang out all day and eat and breed and browse all over it. and breathe yeah. around. Yeah. That's pretty neat, man. Yeah. So I'm kind
1: of excited. That's, it's just going to be a mini adventure. I'm thinking it's going to be like a, a three nighter four day total, you know, on the Island. Um, and just hopefully I can make something happen. I got a buddy who's probably just as amped up as I am to go and do that. So we'll probably end up doing some podcast on a daily basis to
2: try and, uh, capture the moment you know that'd be cool man there you go that'll be a series that you can do yeah and he's uh a podcast series he, he's kind of like um he went
1: on an elk hunt before but like never done the back country aspect of it kind of yeah. like a car camp with the put up a big wall tent and kind so of you know go out right there man well yeah yeah but so it'll be different for him because now he's going to be living out of a backpack, but I think it'll be really cool. I think it'll be a cool
2: experience. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of gotten to the point, man, where I, I just really enjoy setting up a nice camp and I bought a nice canvas tent, um, last year. I don't remember when I had it for our January coos hunt last year though. And man, that thing is nice.
0: Yeah. I took it out.
2: It's, um no it doesn't have a stove you can put a jack in it and and run a stove in it but um i i don't i normally just take a gas can like you're not carrying it anywhere it weighs like 90 pounds right so (laughs)
1: um
2: i just take a gas can a 20 pound gas can and then i take a little buddy heater and just run it right there inside and it's perfect and uh like i took it on this bear huh i was by myself solo and I'm six foot four and I can stand up inside of that thing and change my clothes. And it's the footprint on it is 10 by 14. And <laughs> I put a cot in there, dude, at a table and cook food. And I mean, I just, it's comfortable, man. Like I, I live comfortably. I don't mind doing the whole super lightweight tent and the back country <laughs> thing, but give me, give me the opportunity to throw some coolers out and set up a nice tent and build a big old fire. And i'll take that any day man so what tent did you end up going with and i'm curious to ask that because
1: i've got a buddy who's just asking me about that and i said i only know one person personally that uses one and he bought it like a year or two ago and he uses it on his whitetail camp so he goes down to southern illinois sets it up and depending on like if he goes second season for shotgun you're getting almost into december so he sets up um you know the stove in it and he cooks bacon and potatoes and all kinds oh, of yeah, stuff. Man, but, absolutely. But I I don't I didn't know what he bought and I was kind of curious what you got and you know how you like it. Cause I have a buddy who just asked me about that today. Yep.
2: Mine is a Kodiak canvas. Okay. And it is it's it's really nice. I set it up by myself. It's a one man setup. It takes me 10 minutes to set that thing up. Um in the it's like I said, it's it's really, really nice. Um Jordan has a Cabela's I think it's called Alanac or something like that and uh that thing is kind it's big it's a nice big tent stove jack uh big old vestibule you know on it it's a big big tent and we've set that thing up before and slept like six or eight people in there just a big (laughs) camp camp full of dudes and that's with us I think we had six people in it with a stove that sounds miserable to me (laughs) yeah i don't like sharing tents
1: because people snore and depending on what you're eating there's all kinds of odors and smells in there (laughs) oh
2: yeah man there's farts galore (laughs) Uh, and so i take that kodiak and i mean we could probably put four people in that thing if we wanted to but the most i've ever had in it is two and that's me and and jeremy when when he goes with me. Uh, I don't think Jordan's ever camped in it with me. Uh, anyway, and that's two bad, you know, two cots, one on either side, and then we'll put a big old table in between. And there's enough separation in there to where you could still have two cots, a table and, you know, some bags and stuff, and then still throw a camp chair or something in there. If you wanted to just hang out. Nice. Yeah. So it's, it's did, cool. Did you like, when you got it,
1: did you have to like cut pipes for it or did you order pipes with it how does that work as far as like like I know my buddy just opted out and just got the thing the kit with like the pieces and then he went and had to get a bunch of like three-quarter conduit or something like that for the. yeah I didn't
2: buy any of that stuff and mine doesn't even have the jack in it okay because I just didn't you can buy them with a jack in it I think and there's a conversion kit if I wanted to But I knew I wasn't going to do that. I'll tell you, one thing I don't like doing is waking up every couple of hours and (laughs) loading fire and doing all that stuff. Like I said, it's a base camp thing. And I'll take a a 20, a 20 pound gas can and a little buddy heater will run for almost, I think it's seven or eight days in that thing. Yeah, Yeah. So it's not like, I don't even care about stove jack. Because I'm not packing that thing anywhere where I need to put a stove or well, anything. That's what that I stuff. asked him. I was
1: like, how do you hauling that stove, too? So he retrofitted a little cargo trailer and everything, like, rolls off of it. Because, I mean, <laughs> the stove yeah. that he's got is not like a little stove, either. It's not like one of those backcountry, like, titanium
2: stoves. I looked yeah. at it. It's a flat-top stove. That's the way Jordan's is. I bet he's got the same setup. Because that one of Jordan's is, like... 80 pounds for the stove or something yeah
1: it might even be more his might even be more because he he said he goes i opted for the xl and it's it's a heavier gauge because he wanted the heavier gauge because it would hold more heat so Um, it would like you know uh hold retain heat (laughs) longer when after the fire went out and i'm like holy cow but he sets it up all by himself and uh and goes down there and does it and I'm hoping maybe I'll get the invite. Maybe he'll listen
2: to this and I'll get the invite, but <laughs> there you go. Well, the other guy that asked just mine's a Kodiak canvas and I highly recommend it. I, I slept in, uh, my, my buddy, Dan has one. And last year when we were elk hunting, he had his up, and, and I was like, man, this is like, he was, he had it set up by himself because he was spending like two weeks out there. I went out for about four or five days or something. And, um, I I just looked at that and was like, this is like a hotel suite. (laughs) This is nice, man. And so then we were also hunting with our other buddy, CJ. And he was like, oh, yeah, I've got one of those things too, man. Those things are awesome. And the more I started talking to people about them, people were like, oh, yeah, I definitely I I love my Kodiak. And so we just kind of. I kept looking at them and kept looking at them. And then I finally ended up buying one and, and I've been super happy with it. In nice. fact, this, on this bear hunt, I texted my buddy, Dan, and was like, Hey, four or five days in New Mexico, established spot for a camp. Don't really plan on moving. What tent would you take? Would you like sleep out of the back of the truck? And he was like, don't be stupid. Take your Kodiak. <laughs> and said, Good call. Good call. And I, I did, you know, and took it and was happy the whole time. So,
1: oh, that's cool. That's cool, man. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That's probably one of my favorite upgrades that I've made in my gear. And I go through gear pretty fast. Like I'm always trading stuff out and trying something new and selling what I don't like. And some of the stuff I do like, I still sell and I I just try new stuff. And that's one of my biggest things that I've, I've changed recently. Well, in the last year that I I really like is having a nice big tent. So probably sure beats a bivy sack then, huh? It does, man. And so here's another thing that I found too, was a lot of times we were going up to Colorado and we kept saying, ah, we're going to go, we're going deep, right? We're going all the way. And we would get out there and we would get set up and we would end up being in elk like two miles away from the trucks. So we were like, well, why don't we just set up a good base camp? Right. We'll bring a lightweight tent with us if we need it. But then we have the comforts of, of, you know, just being a few miles from the truck. If we wanted to, to just day hunt each day, then you carry way less gear every day. I I recommend that all the time to, on my podcast, I I always tell people, if you're in your first couple of years, stop listening to all these guys that are like (laughs) professional hunters that have been doing it for 20 years. And they're talking about 15 straight days somewhere. And you're not going to do that your first year going out to elk hunt somewhere, you're not going to be that guy. <laughs> no. It's not going to happen. Like you you'll go out, you might do two days away from the truck and then you're like, this sucks. And and you end up back at the truck. And I think a lot of guys quit and they give up because of that. And instead if you just had a nice place to go back to and bacon in the morning and, ba- you know, bacon and eggs or whatever for dinner, backstrap for dinner, whatever, you got a nice spot and it's, yeah i think it keeps people out there longer and it makes the hunt a lot better big morale booster for sure big morale and it brings you back next year too and so then before you know it you've got three years of experience under your belt and then you start thinking like man maybe i'll take a little tent and i'm gonna try that five days back and see what happens but at least you have all of that experience now you know you got three or four years of testing things out and doing whatever you know so yeah no that's
1: definitely yeah. cool man i'm looking forward to maybe trying one out one of these days who knows maybe maybe if i get an invite i can go out to new mexico and uh <laughs> i tell
2: man i tell you to come to arizona every year or arizona it's, yeah 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 yep. come, come on down <laughs> it's there it's there that tent's gonna be pretty full by now
1: though yeah. that's for sure we've already got four dudes going i'm but... gonna have to get my own and bring it <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh um, if Jordan comes out, I'll tell him and he's just bring his Alanak and we'll just do it that way. That's cool. A <laughs> I, 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 like, I can't remember what his is called, but he's got a it's a big old tent from Cabela's too and that thing's nice. Interesting. You know, it's been yeah.
1: good, uh pretty cool catching up with you and talking to you. Probably a good uh probably a good stopping point uh yep. to try and wrap her up here. So if people want to find out more about Backcountry Rookies, if they don't already know and uh, if they want to reach out to you or anything like that, where can they find you, Chad?
2: Everything's Backcountry Rookies. We have a um, decent Instagram page. We're on Facebook. Um, I don't really do Facebook much. Uh, we have a private group on Facebook. that's called the Backcountry Rookies Nation. I'm terrible at keeping up with it. Um, we have some some. Um, what are they called? Moderators mm-hmm. that go in and and uh, we try to keep that thing. No, I, I just when I built that page originally, I wanted no advertisements, no anything and just good, clean content on there for people to ask questions and get good answers. It's still the moderators do a, a good job of keeping it that way. Occasionally I jump in there and I see somebody like self-promoting their own YouTube series. I I'll delete stuff like that. Um, anyway but so we got that i have a pretty terrible youtube page it's got some reviews <laughs> on it and some other stuff and you know but um think it's, it's nothing there's right a backcountry there. cribs on there i think there's a few yeah, yeah we did those a few years ago and um i started those a few, actually there's one from arizona a few years ago and then I've started to see those pop up more and more. So I think that's pretty neat. It, and that's a really good way to, for people to show kind of how they're living out out there and, uh, you know, different setups. And I should have done one at Bear Camp. I thought about it with that big Kodiak that canvas been cool. <laughs> set up and been like, this is how I'm living. And I seriously, man, everything was in there. I had my big coolers. I had all my clothes. I had food for days. It was all just in there, man. So Uh, I should have done one, but I failed. I like. I we talked before. I I like YouTube is certainly not my thing, man. The videos and the time. (laughs) Uh, Have you Have you ever gotten into dealing with videos and doing YouTube? Not a whole lot. No. Uh, That's it's time intensive, man. I don't. The guys that are doing the editing and yeah, like like I said, mine's terrible. I've got some okay videos on there and some good reviews and some decent stuff, but the guys that are putting together these epic videos god there's some time that goes into that yeah i mean i i barely have time to edit podcasts let alone
1: you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, I, know, <laughs> edit, edit I definitely
2: know what you mean yeah definitely you know so what i do like when i get done with the show is i drop it in my google drive and then tomorrow morning I and not so well not to, tomorrow i have one to listen to but um i will listen to those on my run and then if i hear anything that needs to get edited out then i know i can go in and edit it but uh, otherwise, I just don't have time to to do. I'm with you, dude. <laughs> time is a time is a commodity, man, and I yep. just can't get enough of it for sure. No, I agree with you, man. It's been good, yep, Chad. But I appreciate that's it. it, man. Backcountry rookies everywhere. Just look it up. I think if you Google it, it pops up as one of the top searches on the Google box. So it's out there.
1: Cool. Backcountry rookies. Thank you so much for yep. coming on, Chad. It's good chatting with you.
2: Always good to catch up with you and see how you've been. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate the invite. This was a lot of fun.
1: Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at PubliclyChallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.